0: to the Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about the Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all going to grab a seat. I'm excited to see y'all in worship. Um, hey, if you have your Bible, I know Zach mentioned this a second ago. Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Continuing to go through Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 13 here in, in just a minute. Y'all glad it's a three-day weekend? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Man, it's, it's going to be a good day. I'm excited. Um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 in just a minute. So I remember... Um, one of my professors was telling me a story. He was telling me this, I guess, uh, this past year, that um, he had been on a plane. He think he was flying from LA to Dallas. And this was, I guess, not this past football season, but the year before. Um, he was on an airplane flying from Dallas, sorry, LA to Dallas. And uh, him and his wife were sitting there together beside this Pretty, like, big dude, pretty, like, swole dude. And he, noticed, he said the one thing he noticed is that the guy had some really crazy, cool-looking tennis shoes. And so he just thought, whatever. Well, they go to get off the plane, and all these people that are on the airplane are coming up to, his name's Kent, coming up to Kent and saying, how do you know him? And he's like, how do I know who? And they're, then they're looking at Miss Nola, his wife, like, Miss, or, I don't know her, but how do you know the guy that was sitting beside your husband? And she's like, what are you? what are you talking about? We have no idea who that was. You know who he was sitting by? He was sitting by Patrick Mahomes in the year that he won the MVP. And he had no clue who he was. And so Dr. Edwards was, Kent was telling me this because he knows, uh, I live in Lubbock and we're Tech fans now. And so he was like, yeah, he's a pretty big deal, apparently. I was like, he's a pretty big deal, yeah. And he's like, could you explain that to me? Like, well, he won the MVP, really his first year, like really to play in the NFL. I guess his, his first year he was a, red, not a red shirt, but like he, did, he sat, right? I'm gonna get my, my leagues mixed up here. But um, I was like, at Tech, he won, or not won, but he set the NCAA record for offense in a game against OU, and in the same game, set the NCAA record for passing yards, if I'm not mistaken. I'm like, he's a pretty big deal. He's pretty amazing. And he was like, man, maybe I should have got his autograph or something. I was like, yeah, you should have. Like, that window is passing now. But he was asking, what, what makes him so amazing? Why, why were all these people so in awe of Patrick Mahomes, and why we got to sit by him? I think a fair question that that people may could ask of Christians is what makes Jesus so amazing? Like, why is he so important? Even Christians, like, sometimes we have to remember, like, why is it, what is it that makes Jesus so amazing, so important, so, so awesome that we would wanna worship him and be in awe of him? And I wanna challenge this a little bit. I know we've been gone and haven't been in church together but I think we can get a little more riled up in worship. Can we try that next week? Y'all with me? Like, we're singing all my chains are in the past, I'm free, all my chains. Like, do we believe it or not, all right? Okay, I'm preaching to myself too. Get back on track. All right, sorry. Um, Man, I have no clue what I was about to say, sorry. Let me think here. Oh yeah. Why is it that? What is it that makes Jesus so amazing? What is it that does make him worth saying? You know what? Even if people are looking at me funny, I'm going to worship. I'm going to get excited because Jesus is amazing. If there is one passage, or this is one of the passages I should I should say, that if I could say this is what makes Jesus so amazing. This is why we love him. This is why we worship him. Colossians two thirteen through fifteen. You can make a good argument. This is one of those passages that man. This speaks volumes of who Jesus is and what he's done. So Colossians 2, verse 13. And you're gonna see as we read it, what's so cool about this passage is it shows how our story collides with the story of Jesus. It's a really good thing they collide. All right, verse 13. And you, he's talking to believers here, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all, what's that word? All, All, every single one of your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He says, You were dead in your trespasses. You were cut off from God because of the uncircumcision of your flesh. So meaning you had this barrier between you and God because of your sin, your trespasses, your wrongdoing, your choosing to do what God has told you not to do. Those are trespasses, that's wrongdoing. And because of your sin, you were dead, cut off from God. But he made you alive with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. So I was dead, but now I'm alive because what? Talk to me, what's it say? Just look at your Bible if you're not sure, what's it say? I was dead, now I'm alive because what? what did he do? Talk to me. (laughs) Having forgiven us, us. He forgave us, thank you Deborah, yes. He forgave us all our trespasses. So I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I can be alive. I can have this, this barrier between me and God taken away, which, again, the barrier is caused by my sin. It's taken away because he has forgiven us. And not like he's been uh, buffet-style, RIP, Golden Corral. I shouldn't say that. Like, like it's not, he's not, <laughs> Richard loves Golden Corral, by the way, <laughs> um, it's not that God does a buffet style of, I'm gonna pick and choose what sins I want to forgive. You know, it says he's forgiven us all of our trespasses. We're gonna get into how he does that. So again, he's forgiven us not because you're awesome, not because you, you earned it, not because of your upbringing, not because of, uh, of your social status, not because of your ethnicity, not because of your heritage. He's forgiven you because he wanted to, because of his grace. It says he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So I'm going to try to unpack this. I don't have a whole lot of stories, maybe any stories for you today. I just want to, we're going to unpack what's in the text. So, saying apart from Christ, you're dead because of your trespasses, your sins. So let's just like, let's think about those for a second. Gossip, hatred, lust, I don't know, no one in church has ever struggled with that, heresy, B-b-b- believing false things about God, stealing, racism. Gluttony. Baptists never struggle with that. you want to get some fried chicken after this? <laughs> Just kidding. I do like fried chicken. Witchcraft. You may think, what? Nobody in Lubbock does witchcraft? Oh, they do. <laughs> Laziness. Abuse. Greed. Some of you are, we get greedy with sins. Man, I wish I had their sin and not my sin because their sin seems better than mine. Favoritism, partiality, pride. I'm I've actually never, I'm really humble. I've never struggled with that. So. Abortion. Adultery. Homosexuality. Pornography. I'm gonna go a little faster because there's a lot of sins. This isn't even all of them. Hypocrisy, lying, arrogance, being drunk, love of money, blasphemy. Should lick my tongue right now. (laughs) Disobedience? My kid stepped out. Jealousy, sensuality, idolatry, complaining, selfishness, malice, unforgiveness, talking nasty, bitterness, envy, anger, loving evil. Slander, fraud. I'll skip one. Covetousness. Not trusting God. Not loving God. We could go on, right? Just a small list of trespasses, of wrongdoing. And here's let me find this. Here's what the text is. Oh, the text is saying. Verse 14 says, so I've got all these trespasses. Verse 14 says, I had a record of debt that stood against me with his legal demand. So to draw this, I'm going to summarize really. I'm gonna, you're gonna make fun of me if I don't ask. Separate, S-E-P-A. Go ahead and run the moment before, I, before you get a chance. So, verse 14. R- the record of debt that stood against this with its legal demands. So he's saying, because of your trespasses, because of the uncircumcision of your flesh, meaning so because you're, you're not set apart for God, you, you, you're not cut off for the Lord and made holy for him because of your sin that separates you because of your sin you have a record of debt and I I could have if we had a really long time you could pay attention I could write out all these sins or we could take time for you to come up and tell me all your sins that'd be a fun game right not really but all your sins the record of debt kind of like when you get on mint or wherever you keep your credit card stuff and you see your credit card bill you're like Oh, and then you see the record of, what did I do? Oh, the record of debt, all that you've done. Your sin stood against you. It condemns you. So it's with its legal demand. So there there are consequences for your sin, right? The wages of sin is death, right? I deserve death, hell, condemnation, condemnation shame and separation from God because of my sin. So he says, legally, there's this document now that I have to carry around that stands between me and God because of my trespasses. It's my record of debt and it's the legal demands that I deserve death, hell, condemnation, shame, separation because I have made a mess out of my life. But what he's saying in verses 13 and 14 is that thank God, before you ever made a mess out of your life, Jesus made a mess out of his life on the cross. When he decided to come and pay the penalty for your sins. Here comes my buddy's carrying the cross. And so he's saying, because Jesus paid the price for your sins, verse 14, he cancels, he erases the record of debt that stood against you. Isn't that a cool picture? Isn't that a cool picture? This is not me making stuff up, this is just what the Bible says. That because Jesus paid the price for your sin, God looks at your record of debt and the list of legal demands that stood against you and God says, I'm going to literally obliterate, I'm going to erase, I'm going to cancel that record of debt. It's gone because Jesus paid it all, amen? He paid the price for every single one of your sins. So again, God, God's not like looking through the list and like, oh, a lot of these I'll forgive, but complaining, you little jerk. <laughs> no, he, because of the cross, he forgives everything. He cancels everything. I can't, I should have bought an actual eraser, but he gets it completely clean. How cool is that? You don't have to carry this shame and condemnation around because Jesus, because of his payment, he canceled it for you. He paid the price for you. Every sin is forgiven if you've turned to Christ by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. Here's what we do. That's, a, so that's that's picture. I think he gives us two pictures in the text. Again, all answering the question, why is Jesus so awesome? So he cancels the record of debt. That's the first picture. Have you noticed that we try to. I don't know if you, if you, I'm actually I'm pretty sure you're like me. You can do this. You uh Jesus has forgiven you. We, we believe the, the Bible, we believe the gospel that in Christ I am forgiven and free. What we just sang about, thank God, all my chains are in the past. But don't we sometimes, aren't we, tempted to come back and like, I, I just, I don't know, I kind of want to live under this this banner of shame that I'm a sinner. You know what I'm talking about? Like we, we're forgiven, but we tend to wanna write those things. It's hard to write like this. We, this is condemnation. We wanna write these things back down. But for some reason, we tend to go back to living in our shame and our condemnation and, and living as though we've not been set free from our sin, living as though we've not been forgiven. I would encourage you, don't try to take the Sharpie, or it's not Sharpie, don't try to take the marker from the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. Don't go back and write things that he's already forgiven. And I think God knew we were prone to do that, and so he gives us this next image, and this image is so cool. (laughs) The rest of verse 14 this, so you track it with me. This guy, the the document that was the record of my debt, and it and with it its legal demands because of my sin. So this, this guy, right? This document, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Woo! All right, so it means he says, Hey Brandon, you, you keep wanting living sin and shame. So go ahead and give me that document. This is what he did on the cross. Give me that document. I don't want you carrying around the shame and condemnation anymore. I'm gonna go ahead when I'm nailed to the cross because uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. Because he became our sin, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, that record of debt was nailed to the cross. So not only does he say, quit taking the marker from me, he says, don't climb up the blood-soaked cross to take down what I put there, amen? So he nailed it. Man, I'm not very good at nailing Jack's going to make fun of me later for that. And when he nailed it to the cross, he wrote, in probably a better handwriting than me paid in full. It does say paid in full, I promise. Here's the picture here. Oh, I forgot to dad, I forgot to explain this word. This he set aside. I, I love this picture. I did this backwards, sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna take it down because I told you not to. <laughs> this he set aside. The picture is he literally removed it from the situation. Like in the Greek it's the idea, of, he he took it out of your midst. I Man, how many of us walk around? with our, our record of debt and the sin and the shame and the condemnation kind of weighing on us I like guess this heavy burden I have to carry and this cloud I have to live under. And Jesus says, when I nailed it to the cross, I removed it from your midst. And that's good news. He set it aside. It's, not, it's no longer this shame cloud anymore, but he rather, the elephant in the room the, between you and God, it was always awkward when you try to talk with God. He says, I took that and I removed it from your midst and I nailed it to the cross. It's paid in full. It is not your identity anymore. The cross is your identity now. You're, you're free. He set it aside and nailed it to the cross. And man, you could stop there and be like, man, Jesus is awesome, and he is. But but Paul gives us one more verse, and what's cool here is I think we shift from this kind of, um, I'm going to sweat up here. Uh, We shift from this, wow, it's amazing, to there's like a little swagger here about Jesus. I think so, maybe I'm just weird. He says, Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So it's saying, God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. He shamed them by triumphing over them in him, in Christ, and specifically in the the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So here's how I like to think of this. You know, we're familiar with like, baby Jesus at Christmas time. And we're familiar with like, we think about, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, like disrespectful, but like hippie Jesus hanging out with the disciples by the van, right? Like we're going to talk to some people. But this is like Navy SEAL, Green Beret, Marine recon Jesus, right? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame. Here's what it means, So, so context. The Colossia, the there were some false teachers in Colossae, and they were teaching this extra spirituality that like Jesus is good, but you need to make sure that you appease that you, um, yeah, appease that you satisfy these other spirits. Which really we know from Scripture, these other spirits ultimately like demonic powers is what it was. It was a demonic influence to say yes, Jesus plus something equals everything. And Paul saying no, it's Jesus alone. Quit worrying about these these false demonic spirits and trying to appease them. So maybe that means playing itself out and doing a ritual or worshiping the sun god or whatever that's not really a god. He says, those aren't real powers. But the Colossians, the believers in Colossae, they were being tempted because of the false teaching to, to live under the shadow of, well, yeah, Jesus is good, but I, I need to make sure I please these other spirits as well. And I mean, is so cool. Paul's saying, Jesus, when he Died and rose again. He triumphed over every other spirit. He showed that he's the boss. That no one is as big or amazing or as powerful as him. No other spirit, no other quote God can touch him because he is victorious. It says that he disarmed them. So whatever spiritual powers those demons had, Jesus has power over them. So let's let's take let's trans, let's like cross the bridge of. Uh, of interpretation, of hermeneutics, of hermeneutics, how you study the Bible. So, oh, uh, not Old Testament, sorry, slow down. Um, their world that Paul was writing to, to our world, we maybe don't, like the majority of us, don't live in this pagan idea of these spirits, I wanna please the rain gods, so I'm gonna go do this weird farming ritual, whatever. Like, we may not live under that idea, but those same demonic spirits, that plagued the people of Colossae and shamed them and tried to make them think it was Jesus plus something, those same demons would try to oppose, they not try, they do, they oppose us today. They tried to make us rip down that whiteboard and walk in shame and fear and condemnation and failure. And Paul's saying, Jesus defeated them on the cross. The cross that meant to kill is my victory, that, What the demonic forces thought was a shame for God that was victory over them was actually God having victory over the demonic forces. That Satan, when he pulled the lever on on the crucifixion of Jesus, thinking he had won, he actually pulled the lever on himself because God had outsmarted Satan from the beginning. He has power over them. He triumphed over them. The idea in the uh, the Romans, they would have understood this as when a Roman general came back from conquering a land, he would come back and his prisoners, those he had defeated, even the kings that he had defeated, would be behind him in their shame and shackles and he would carry their swords like, yeah, what's up? I beat these fools, right? That's what Jesus did. That's what the cross is. Yeah, he says, yeah, what's up? I beat that fool. (laughs) He probably didn't say fool, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I love and I, I gotta read a couple quotes to you because I think it says it so well in the fact that Jesus is victorious, that he's powerful over all. N.T. Wright says, the cross was not the defeat of Christ at the hands of the powers. It was the defeat of the powers at the hands, yes, the bleeding hands of Jesus. A student of Martin Luther said this, Christ publicly among his congregation and there's some crazy cool imagery here, so lean in. Among his congregation dragged out his enemy's shield, helmet, and sword, and in his churches, he raised up as a trophy a tree with many branches. So just as a picture, it's, it's picturesque. Because Jesus is, a, Jesus is a conquering king, he's raised up for us, so to speak, a tree to look at that displays his trophies, his victories. It says, on the uppermost branch hangs the devil with his fiery arrows, bow and snares, or hunting traps, defeated. On the second hangs death with his broken jaw, knocked out teeth, and barbed sting, defeated. On the third, the record of our debt revealed through the law, impaled and riddled with holes. On the fourth, hangs God's wrath because he bore it for us. On the fifth, the gates of hell defeated. On the sixth, the world with all its power. This tree is the holy cross on which all these now are nailed, in which beforehand Christ was nailed to and crucified." You know what this is, the cross is? It's a shame reversal. See, before the cross, the powers had the ability, the devil had the ability to shame us and condemn us and point out to us that we had made a mess of our lives. But the cross is a shame reversal to say, no Satan, you've been defeated by Jesus. And the cross is what I'm gonna glory in because Jesus has victory over anyone and everyone. And in Christ, I have been completely 100% all forgiven. Amen? This is a shame reversal. Why is Jesus such a big deal to us? Why is he so incredible to us? Why is he worth getting excited about? It's because at the cross, our stories collided his deity and our sinfulness it's where justiceness justice and righteousness met to forgive us and at the cross he turns a story from shame into celebration a story that was broken into beauty a story of fallenness into Forgiveness, a story of debt—a debt I could never repay—into deliverance. Yes, Jesus paid it all, and all to Him I owe. He is worthy of celebrating. This is why Paul began this whole. I think this is all kind of one big section. That's why I began it with the words of verse. Six. So just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him. Why would you turn away from a savior like that? Where else would you go for forgiveness, for hope, for purpose, for restoration? There's nowhere else to go. He's paid it in full. So he says, walk in in him and that's why in verse eight we talked about last week he says don't let someone come and steal you away from christ don't graduate high school and go into college and let someone some professor that thinks they know it all because they have a phd pull you away from christ look at who he is don't and as the kids leave home and you get more settled and get more comfortable don't turn away from christ Don't buy the lie that your sins are too big for Jesus and then turn away from him. He says, don't let someone take you captive. No, walk with him. As believers, if you're a believer this morning, I wanna challenge you, encourage you to stay the course, to keep walking with Jesus and to not do what I do all the time. And that is... I'm just, I am a sinful person. Gosh, I am messed up. Look at all these sins. I made a mess of my life. Jesus is saying, hey, psst. look up there. Quit looking down here. Quit navel-gazing, being so obsessed with your own sins and realize that, yes, they are really bad. They're so bad that Jesus had to die. And you know what? He did for you and he rose again so quit living under this burden of shame and start living under the grace of the cross there's so many of us need to come back this morning to right here i'm gonna hang on to this this is my hope yeah i'm I'm messed up i got i'm messed up but i'm gonna quit focusing on that i'm gonna focus right here we start growing when we start doing that if you don't know jesus this morning man He has paid the price for your sin and his arms are stretched out wide and say, come to me for salvation, for forgiveness. Yes, it's a turning from your sin. It's not easy. It's repenting saying, I'm not gonna live in that anymore. I'm not gonna let that control me anymore. I'm not gonna pursue that anymore. I'm gonna pursue Jesus. It is repentance. But realizing you can run to him and he's got his arms open wide. He's a loving father. He says, come back home. I wanna forgive you. I wanna restore you. So if you're watching online this morning and you don't know Christ, please reach out to us. Send us a message Click that connect button so we can connect with you. If you're here, I would love after the service to pray with you and talk with you. It really is as simple as saying, Jesus, I know that I'm broken. I know that I messed up, but I believe that you are God, the son, that you paid the price for my sins. And I want to turn to you. I want you to be in charge of my life. I believe in you and I want you to be the Lord of my life and do that this morning. And the last thing I would say, I think I need to do a better job of pushing us in this. and it's because I don't push myself enough. People need to hear this message, amen? Maybe your response today is to consider, who do you need to share it with? This is good news. Like, I know the gospel is offensive because you're telling people you're you're broken and you're sinful and you're nasty, right? Maybe don't say you're nasty, that's weird. (laughs) Like, you're a messed up person. But this is good news. Like, Zach and I have talked about it before. It's silly to get so nervous about telling people that they can have all their sins forgiven in Jesus. Like, why am I nervous about that? This is great news. That's why it's called the gospel. All right, I need need to finish, sorry. (laughs) Who do you need to share it with? I'm gonna pray for us. And as I'm praying, um, uh, we're gonna take a little time here. We're we're good on time. We're gonna take a little time for you to just reflect and consider how you need to respond this morning, how the Holy Spirit is leading you. And then we're gonna sing a song that I think has a little swagger in it. Not for us, but because of Jesus, what he's done. And I want to invite you to get into it. I'm not saying we're about to get crazy and running around in here, don't do that. But, but it's okay to get excited about what Jesus has done. Amen? I'm gonna pray for us, we're gonna respond. Jesus, we are grateful. <laughs> Seems so inadequate. We are so in awe and indebted to you because of the cross. Thank you that our sins have been paid in full. They've been erased, wiped out, forgiven. They're not a barrier between us and you anymore because of the cross, only because of the cross. Lord, I know we just talked through it, but I pray that you would stir people's hearts this morning if maybe they need to just, (laughs) <laughs> be reminded of how incredible you are, the gift you've given them of salvation, and just celebrate this morning. Oh, Lord, if they need to, to come back and just cling to the cross this morning, they would do that. God, if someone needs to be saved, I pray you would draw them to yourself and they would respond, they would reach out today. And Lord, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe most of all for some of us, That you would help us to be bold. That we would see what great news this is. That we would think of people we could share it with. We quit worrying about what they think. We quit worrying about them shaming us and realize that you bore all the shame so we wouldn't have to walk in shame. (laughs) And we would just be bold. I'll give you a moment just to, with your head bowed and eyes closed, just to talk with the Lord. and We'll sing and rejoice our song in just a moment. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.